Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, and we'll, we'll get there in just a moment. I want to share a, a message today that uh, I've entitled, A Year of Remembering and Returning. A Year of Remembering and Returning. I want to encourage each of us to not make New Year's resolutions or any of those things, but but to make this year about much more than what we often do. We often are, are pointing fingers, placing blame, focusing on the negative, all of the, the problems and issues and difficulties that we're facing. And I want to challenge that we make this year a year of remembering and returning. Let us begin by remembering that God is still on His throne. Always has been and always will be. He is still all-knowing and all-powerful. Let's remember that. Let's not ever forget that. Remember that He loves us. Don't forget that. Remember that God loves us. In Genesis chapter 37, you can stay there in Luke. We'll be there in just a moment. In Genesis chapter 37, there's a story of an individual by the name of Joseph. And you may remember this story. There are all kinds of elements and all kinds of events surrounding this. But the basis of this story is this. He was the youngest born, Jacob, and, and he was beloved by his father. And the Scripture is very clear that he was his father's favorite. And in regards to that, because he was his father's favorite, and it was evident to all that he was, he was hated. By his brothers. In fact, in the 37th chapter of the book of Genesis, it, it, it mentions at least four times how much his brothers hated him. And each time it says they hated him more. Each time that there's something that it defines about happening or events in his life or things that he says, it says his brothers hated him more. And so their hate grew for him. It was a continual process of this, this bitterness and anger that they held toward Joseph because he was his father's favorite. And so as the story unfolds, we know that they, they were out tending the sheep, his brothers, and his father sent him to check on them. And when he arrived to check on them, his brothers conspired together that they would kill him, and they would bear his body, and they would go back to the father and, and just say, hey, listen, we don't know what happened, but he's dead. His oldest brother said, no, 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 wait a minute. We know that this is our father's favorite. He is, as much as we hate him, he's our blood kin. He's our brother. We can't do that. And so he said, let's, let's throw him in a pit, and let's determine there from there what we're going to do. He was trying to figure out a way to save his brother's life. And so they threw him in a pit. And, uh, and then while Reuben was not around for some reason, evidently out with the sheep or something, the rest of the brothers saw this caravan passing by and they said, Hey, <laughs> this is our chance to get rid of him. So they took him and sold him to the caravan into slavery. When Reuben returned, he looked in the pit and he said, Hey, hey, where's Joseph? What's going on? And, and so they came up with this story. They took his, his coat of many colors, as we call it, his tunic. 
they dipped it in animal's blood, and they went back to their father and presented this and said, hey, we found this. And they didn't tell the story. They didn't develop it. They just let his imagination take course. And he determined that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal, and they found his tunic or his, his coat of many colors with blood all over it, and, and he mourned the loss of his beloved son. Well, could be the end of the story, but we know it's not. We know that from there, Joseph sold into slavery, and, and events begin to unfold, and things begin to happen, and we can spend a lot of time talking about all of these things. But the ultimate thing is this. Because he was obedient to God, and God favored him in his life, he rose to second in command in Egypt. Only second to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. And he was a leader among leaders. He was a man among men. And he was faithful to God. And in regards to that, he was blessed by the Spirit of God to prepare. And the day came that there was a famine in all of the land. But Joseph, led by the Spirit of God, knew that the famine was coming. And he had prepared. And the storehouses were full and there was enough food for, for the people of the land of Egypt and for their future to sustain them. And suddenly his brothers heard about this food in Egypt and they came down, not knowing that it was their brother Joseph, and they asked for assistance and he recognized them, but they did not recognize him. And so he gave them assistance. Eventually, they and their father came down to Egypt to live. They lived in the land of Goshen, which was the most fertile and most beautiful pasture land for their sheep and their herds in all of Egypt. And there was great blessing for their lives. The day came that their father died. And the brothers, again, still harboring ill will after everything that's happened for their brother, began to think about this. Oh, now that dad's gone, is he going to seek his revenge on us? Now that dad's gone, he's, he's treated us well all this time because of dad, but now that he's gone, how's he going to treat us? And so they came to him and they had this story and all of these things about the events that are going to unfold and, and uh, what their father had asked for him to take care of them and still show them love and compassion and all of that. But they were afraid of what was going to happen. And in Genesis chapter 50, so from Genesis chapter 37 all the way to Genesis chapter 50, we have this story unfolding. And in Genesis chapter 50, this is what he says in verse 20 to his brothers. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about this present result... To preserve many people's lives. Now think about that for a moment. Everything his brothers had done to him. The hatred that they had harbored for him. And he said, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. And the good brings us to this present point. That because of me and because of my presence. And God working through me. All of these people in the midst of this famine are preserved. Their life, they're still here because God had used me and worked through me to accomplish that. I think about the world in which we live. 
And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the negative and the evil intentions of the world around us that we forget that what the world means for evil, what the world means to, to be in opposition to and, and, and result of our Heavenly Father, He can use for good. He can take those evil intentions and He can twist those. He can manage those to bring about positive things. I, I think about our sports world. This past week, I'm sure many of you have seen, and if you've not, there was a, an NFL player who, who went into cardiac arrest on the field. And, and the sports world has shunned our Lord, has shunned faith. They have removed a prayer or the idea of faith or prayer as much as possible. Uh, we've had players in the past who were men of faith and they were shunned by the league and told that they couldn't do certain things in regards to their faith to present it or to communicate it. And, and their agenda and, and their public events, they didn't want faith or God or prayer or any of those things mentioned or involved in any way. But yet, when DeMar Hamlin went into cardiac arrest, the media now is, is flooded with pictures of these football teams gathered on their knees praying for his life. Gathered in small groups and large groups and, and the word going across, please pray for DeMar, pray for his family, pray, pray for his health, for his life, pray for his safety. All of a sudden they're pleading for prayer. They want people to pray. On, on national television, on, on ESPN, one of the anchors, one of the, the, the talk hosts there, uh, there's a, a video out, and, and I didn't see it live, but he says, listen, I know there are going to be people that aren't going to like this, that, that don't want me to do this, but he said, I feel the need right now to pray. And he bowed his head, and he prayed right there. I'm going to close my eyes, and I'll bow my head. I'm going to pray for Damar. And I think about all of that and, and how that comes about and, and I think about what, what they intended for evil. What they intended to be in opposition to God and His Word and to prayer and bringing it into the public eye. God said, I can use that. I can make something good out of that. And so suddenly when they are at a moment of desperation and need, they turn to Him in prayer. And God said, this is a good thing. This can be a good thing. And so I, I want us to remember. I want us to return. And I want us to return with gratitude. Remember that God can take the evil of this world and He can flip it upside down and He can use it for the glory of His kingdom. And He can use it for the good of mankind. So we turn to Luke, 17th chapter, and we find another event that, that mirrors, in some ways, the event that we just talked about. Beginning in verse 11 of the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and it says, And it came about while he was on the way to Jerusalem that he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go 
and show yourselves to the priests. And it came about that they were go- that as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who turned back to, was no one found who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, it's an interesting event in the life of Jesus. An encounter with ten lepers. And we know that the Scripture is very clear to us about leprosy and how it affects people and, and how they were viewed by those around them in society and all of those types of things. But there are just a couple of lessons about remembering and returning and returning with gratitude that I want us to talk about for just a few moments this morning. The first thing is this. I want us to recognize God values the least. God values the least. We live in a world where we uh, sit on a pedestal, where we hold up, where we admire those who are the best. We, we want people that are celebrities and we want to elevate them and people who are sports stars and we want to elevate them and we think that there's something special or unique in, in so many ways and, and we, we build them up and we hold them up and we idolize and we celebrate them and their status. But, but the more famous and the more known that they become and the more recognized that we are, we become more and more value on them and, and we, we hold them up in high esteem. And, and so we desire to be like them. We, we want to be recognized. We want to be appreciated. We want to be valued. We want to feel as though we're important and people hold us in high esteem. And yet God, on the other hand, values the least. He values the poor, the broken, the messy, and the marginalized. We look at these ten lepers, and they were outcasts of society. They were not allowed, because of their disease, to be involved with other people. They could only be involved with themselves and separated from everyone else. And they were shunned by society because of their illness. Sound familiar? We look around our world today and we find people that are marginalized, people that are, are messy, people that are struggling, people that are hurting. And those are the people that we hold at a distance. We, we don't want them to be involved. We don't want them to come close. They, they're challenged in different ways and with different things in life. And so we hold them at a distance only recognizing and understanding that those are the exact people that God loves. Those are the exact people that God desires to heal, that God wants to minister to, that God wants to bless, that He wants to help, He wants to heal, He wants to encourage. And so the Scripture says that there were these ten lepers, and they cried out, and they said, Lord, have mercy on us. Do something to help us in this situation. And when they cried out, he responded. Why? Because he values the least. 
because he placed importance on their lives and on their needs and on their circumstances and situations. And he knew that there was something that he could do to help them. And he was willing to do that. The second thing that I want to see is this. God honors faith. God honors faith. These, these ten lepers had faith. They verbalized their faith. Lord, Master, Teacher, have mercy on us. Have grace on us. We need your help. There was an amount of faith that they had that said, we believe that you can do something about our circumstances. We believe that you can do something about our situation. And so there was this level of faith that caused them to call out and to seek His help. I think about this past week and all of the people that we've seen in all kinds of circumstances, situation, that, that they cried out in prayer for this athlete who, whose life was, was hanging in the balance. And there has to be a certain level of faith, belief, that God can do something and could do something, has the power to do something, or why else would they cry out? Why else would they call on Him? Why else would we see, see groups of, of athletes on their knees praying? Why would we see small groups and large groups and people gather around? Why would we see TV personalities and, and hosts on ESPN bowing their head, closing their eyes, and praying to God? Unless there's this level of faith. This level that says we believe in Him and we believe in who He is and we believe that He can do something. But here's the thing I want you to notice about that 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 is one level of faith. But that level of faith wasn't the faith that healed them. Because Jesus said to them, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. If that level of faith had been enough, He could have healed them right there. He could have healed them in that moment. He could have made them whole and clean and all, all the things that were necessary. But He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, show yourself to the priest." So there's this verbal faith that says, yes, I believe. But then there's a faith that leads us to action. There's a faith that leads us to do something about the belief. And so when he said, I want you to go to the priest, notice that all ten of them headed out to the priest. All ten of them knew that according to their laws and customs of that day, a priest had to determine them clean so that they could be engaged in society once again. And so it wasn't just a verbal faith, but also it was a faith that took action. It was a faith that did something about what they believed. And when Jesus said, I want you to head to the priest and show yourself to them, to, to the priest, then it said that while they were on their way, they took action. They, they believed, they had faith, they trusted. And when he told them to do something, they said, okay, let's do it. And so they started on the journey, and they started, but it said while they were still on their way, they didn't even get to the priest. While they were still on their way, they noticed that they were clean. They noticed that they were whole. They noticed that they'd been healed. And on the way, that faith that took action caused them to be healed, to be restored, to be cleansed. Because why? God honors faith, but He honors not just faith that that provides lip service, but he honors a faith that does something about what they believe. And so we need to think about, do we have lip service faith, or do we have faith that motivates us to do something 
about what we believe? Do, do we put our faith into action by how we live and what we do and how we serve others and help others and encourage others in life in regards to what God's called us to in obedience and faithfulness to Him? It, it needs to be a, a faith that leads to action, not just a faith that's serviced by lip service. And brings us to the third thing. God cherishes gratitude. God cherishes gratitude. There were ten lepers. Scripture is very clear. Nine of them went on their way. They were cleansed. They were made whole. They went on their way. Only one returned. He fell at the feet of Jesus. And he thanked him from a heart of gratitude for healing and making him. And God cherishes that. He cherishes a heart that remembers who healed. You see that? that this, this leper, he remembered who healed him. He remembered that it was Jesus that gave the healing power to change and transform his life, to heal him and make him whole again. He returned. He came back to Jesus. He came back to the one that made him whole. But he just didn't come back. He came back with a heart of gratitude. He came back and fell on his knees and his face before Jesus and thanked him for healing and cleansing and making his life whole. And so he calls us in regards to that, that we would remember. Remember who the healer is. Remember that where we started this morning, God is still on his throne. He's still all-knowing. He's still all-powerful. He still loves us. Remember that. Remember he's the one who came to die on a cross and be buried in the tomb and resurrected on the third day in order to save us from our sins. Remember who has done that to heal us and to help us to deal with the penalty and punishment of sin in our life. Return to Him. If we've been living life in, in our own direction, doing things our own way, we need to return to Him. We need to return to the one who healed. We need to come back to the one who's made us whole. We need to come back to the one who's forgiven us and given us grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and changed our life eternally. And we need to return with a heart of gratitude. We need to come with a heart of thanksgiving. We need to come with a heart that says, Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you that this week in the midst of, uh, of a tragedy and, and turmoil and difficulty that people returned their hearts to prayer. And it opens a door of opportunity for you and I to talk to others about God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. To, to talk to them about belief and faith and trusting in God. And we, we saw that demonstrated in people who, who gave lip service to having faith in God, who gave lip service to trusting in God. But, but is their faith leading them to action? Is our faith leading us to action? And so I want to encourage you as we get started in this new year, as we begin the path and the journey for, for a new beginning for us as we start into 2023, that it would be a year that we would focus on, on remembering. Remembering all that God's done for us. I appreciate what, what Sam had to say this morning about remembering the blessings where this congregation was 
a few years ago and where this congregation is today. And, and there's been, been a great deal of, of blessings that God has given us. Remember that. Remember to share that. Remember to, that you want other people to be a part of that joy, a part of that celebration, a part of those blessings. Remember what God has done for us. Return to Him. And return to Him because we know that He is the healer. And that He is the one who has blessed and made us whole and blessed this congregation. And remember and return, return with a heart of gratitude. Thankfulness, joy, celebration, hope. Because we know that He is in control. And that He has blessed us and He will continue to bless us if we have a faith that leads us to action, to do something about what we believe. And so this morning, we're going to sing.